This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, everyone. I am Tim Martin. I am pinch hitting for Ward Scott here. Welcome to the Ward Scott Files this morning, a Thursday edition of the show. I'm sure, again, Ward will be watching in the feed, so please make sure you wish him well uh, in the comment section. Today, we are going to have, uh, at some point, a guest. Uh, His name is Mitchell Shaw. Mitchell is a writer for the New American Magazine, published by the company that I work for, the John Birch Society, as a fundraiser. And over at thenewamerican.com, we have actually covered quite a bit of artificial intelligence uh, just since the beginning of the year, I think we've got nine different stories maybe uh, that are on the web. Uh, Mitchell was having a little bit of computer problem this morning when he was trying to log in. So uh, we're going to have to kind of just uh, freewheel it a little bit here this morning. Uh, so one of the things that kind of, I guess, spurred my interest in this topic was an, an article that he wrote earlier in this week. And uh, I was hoping to bring him on so that I could figure out, you know, really what are sort of this grouping of things that we're calling artificial intelligence. Uh, you've heard about this idea about chat GPT recently over the next or the last month or so. And that sort of got me interested in talking with Mitchell because I don't really uh, have time to investigate these sort of things. So I can, <laughs> you know, I kind of rely on people like Mitchell to tell me and help me along uh, on this sort of thing. My, Mitchell used to do a show called Enemy of the Surveillance State. You may remember I did an interview with him about that, and it just sort of talked about the uh, some of the surveillance that was going on within your computer, within your phone, within Google. And uh, he had a really interesting story, and I'll be it'll be curious to see if uh, he speaks to this at all. When we were talking about this Enemy of the Surveillance State, He brought up a story that was very interesting to me, and he said that there was a father who went to his mailbox. Uh, When he got got the mail out of the mailbox, there was a flyer from Target, and uh, everybody kind of knows Target, the retail store. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, So Target had sent a flyer to the house in the name of his daughter. Well, his daughter is only 16 years old, and lo and behold, there's advertisement for baby diapers, for baby wipes baby toys, all these sorts of things related to babies. So he took the flyer in frustration. He goes down to Target and he goes right into the manager and says, hey, why are you why are you, why are you sending me this flyer to my daughter about baby this and baby that? And uh, he was just very furious. The manager, understandably, was actually uh, a little embarrassed. He didn't know why they had sent this to his daughter either. Uh, but lo and behold... Man comes back to the store the next day, uh, and he says, you know, I came here. I wanted to apologize to you for my behavior yesterday. Apparently, you knew my daughter was pregnant before I did. And the reason that Target knew this was because of her buying habits. Uh, She had started apparently buying 
uh, prenatal vitamins. She had stopped buying some of the monthly, uh, you know, products that women use and the intelligence put two and two together and figured out this lady must be pregnant because of her buying habits. Or this young woman was pregnant because of her buying habits and she was only 16 years old. Well, you know, the, the whole customization that Target uses for advertisement really picked up on this. And I thought that story has rung very true with me over the past, you know, couple of years that Mitchell had brought this to my attention before. And, uh, it uh, actually looks like Mitchell is uh, joining us. Mitchell, can you hear me? Okay. I can, I can see you. I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, perfect. Well, excellent. I'm glad you were able to work out your kinks. I was kind of relaying that old Target story about the 16-year-old pregnant girl uh, who Target found out she was pregnant before dad did. You remember that story? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, um, <laughs> I tell that story often. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's creepy. It is it, creepy. It is um, very, very that, creepy. They can that they can do something like that, that they can even figure that out. That's just, uh, that, that's, that's one of those things that is beyond what should be the pale anyway. <laughs> I think they keep moving the pale. Um, yeah, they keep moving the pale. Well, thank you for, uh, for joining us again. Welcome back to the war. Scott files, Mitchell Shaw, again, writer for the new American. If you're just joining us, you haven't missed, missed much. Uh, Mitchell's uh, just joining us here. We're getting this conversation going. Mitchell, does that uh, target story feed into this artificial intelligence and this jet chat GPT that we've been hearing so much about lately? Yes and no. Um, I, I, there are some who make a connection because obviously um, the, algorithms that are used to so you got to separate data harvesting or data data mining which we talk a lot about and and data analysis and then you have to separate those so you could talk about them and then put them back together to really understand them data mining is the information so take your target story that or my target story that you were just telling yeah. um yeah, yeah if you take that if you take that story uh the data mining is her purchasing habits which target is able to capture because um she's swiping her red card through every time she goes through the, the checkout so that's the data mining they gather this information about you the data analysis is what makes that important though because this is all what's done by algorithms people it's not like we got a bunch of brainiacs sitting around in a room going, ooh, I wonder what this guy's thinking while he's buying this particular brand of beer or whatever. That's not what's happening. Right. A computer is crunching all of that, feeding it through a very powerful algorithm, and then coming out with something that is um, approaches the psychic almost, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, so once we get that, then we ask ourselves um, – because uh, – in the articles, uh, I wrote a couple of articles the other day about AI, but the one that I think you're talking about um, is not the one where the Belgian man killed himself, but mm -hmm. the other one. Okay. So in that other one, um, one of the things that I talk about is the fact that a computer coder uh, somewhere wrote an article for ZDNet, um, and he – of course, when you write computer code, it gets bugs, right? Yep. Uh, you messed yep. up a line of code somewhere, and now something's broken. So computer programmers, coders, spend an awful lot of time debugging their code, sometimes, usually, more time than they spent writing the code. Mm -hmm. um, and so he fed all of He thought, you know, I don't want to debug this. That's a long and tedious process. I'll just feed this through chat GPT, and I'll let it do the heavy lifting for me. And it did. It debugged his code. And that made him stop and ask some questions. Could could an AI 
deliberately insert malicious code into my code? Well, the mm-hmm. answer is yes, it could, uh, depending on if it were programmed to do so. But that caused me to ask the question, could an AI write code? Does it have to uh, – would the code or the whatever it is, would it have to actually think? And it has to also determine good from bad. Uh, does it not to be able to kind of execute that? Uh, good code from bad code? Well, just good from bad. You're, you know, we're using the phrase that it could insert evil, nefarious sort of bad things into the okay, code. Okay. Um, the computer is amoral. You and yeah. I know this. Uh, sure. But, but for the sake of this conversation, so nobody misunderstands us and thinks that we're trying to create a uh, a fantasy realm where this is exactly like <laughs> yeah. the Terminator or the Matrix. No, <laughs> computers are amoral. They they don't make decisions based on right and wrong. They they don't have souls. They they haven't consciences or anything like that. Yeah. But what a computer does do is it has, uh, or a computer program does, uh, is it has an objective. It, it, do this. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's accomplish this task. Okay. Well, I will accomplish that task. Right. Um. So if the AI were, let's say, I don't know this is the case, but let us say that. Uh, an AI uh, that people would use for debugging code were programmed to always insert code that allowed surveillance. Mm-hmm. Would it do it? Absolutely. It doesn't think, it just does. And so it would just insert the code. But could an AI write code? That's my question. And the answer is yes, because it can learn languages. Yeah. Uh, if, if a chat AI can have a whole conversation with me online yeah. to the degree that it's difficult, if possible, to tell the difference right. between the AI and a human being, right. then it has learned a language. It has learned to use the English language. Can it <laughs> learn Python, which is yeah. a computer programming language? Can it yeah. learn uh, you know, C++? Plug- yes, the answer is yes, it can. Huh. Uh, if it can, and it right. can, and it's given an objective to accomplish, could it write code in that programming language to accomplish that objective? The answer is yes. Are we there yet? I don't know. Will we be there yet? I am certain. And (laughs) when that day comes, when that day comes, uh, then the human error element of computer coding is taken out of the equation. Yeah. And we can expect to see the surveillance state go uh, exponentially deeper, wider, taller, longer, harder. Yes. So uh, to, fair enough. long answer to your very short question. <laughs> is there a relation to that? Yes. The answer is yes. Not a direct relation. I think that what we're going to see is with the advent of AI, um, we're going to see lots of opportunities for the surveillance state to uh, expand with, mm-hmm. with one of those opportunities being what I just mentioned, another opportunity simply being that people are going to be chatting yeah. with what they think is a human person, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's right. going to be a robot that's literally cataloging everything you're saying and filing it away and sifting it on the fly. On the fly. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So I, uh, 
Well, again, if you're joining us late, I'm Tim Martin, pinch hitting for Ward Scott here on the Ward Scott Files from the Meldon Law Studios, protected by our friends and yours at Crime Prevention Security Systems. You know, some of the bigger themes that I wanted to talk about uh, here, at least in the first half of the hour, Mitchell, and maybe we can kind of step back just a little bit and what let's let's first talk. Uh, let, well, let's define, if we can, uh, the terms uh, artificial intelligence and what is really sort of the the scope or the genesis of sort of how this kind of came about. Do you have any history that you can share with us, uh, first of all? Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I, I, I can tell you, interestingly, and this isn't maybe it's an early, early precursor to artificial intelligence, but um there's there's a phenomenon known as the ELISA effect, and uh, that's all capital E, capital L, capital I, capital Z, capital A, ELISA. And the reason it's called that is because there was a computer program written, I think, 1966. I believe it was at MIT, uh, and it was an early precursor to today's chatbots. Uh, essentially what it did was it would echo your language back to you, but it was smart enough to arrange the words that you were using Uh into new sentences. So Uh it was a bit like chatting with someone. That's kind of like when you call customer service now, they just say, oh, so what you're saying is that, 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 that. So what I heard you say was, I don't (laughs) care. Reflecting, yeah, the reflecting, the mirror language. So so that's what this program, and the program name was Eliza. Okay. Um, the guy who wrote it eventually shut it down because mm-hmm. he noticed that when his colleagues would play around with it, they began to refer to it as she and her because the name was Eliza, uh, mm-hmm. which was an acronym for something that I've long forgotten. Um, but uh, they would they were giving this computer program human attributes. <laughs> Ooh, she said this, she said that. But but quickly, real real quickly, Tim, uh do you do you use a GPS? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that I on your to, I mean I travel I travel is so Is that much. on your phone or a separate device that sits on your desk or on your on your uh, dash? Uh no, I just I just use my phone. Don't scold me. No, I'm, I'm not going to. It's a question. And, and is it a masculine voice or a feminine voice? Uh, I think it's female. I think it's female. Have I think you it was ever female-ish. used the expression, or has anyone in your car ever used the expression, ooh, she said to turn left here? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. She. she. That's Eliza. See, Eliza this is now. the Eliza effect. Yeah, this Eliza, is the Eliza effect. Siri, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it's uh, Eliza's great granddaughter. Um, <laughs> and, and in a sense, um, then artificial intelligence, uh, at least the idea of artificial intelligence goes way, way back, right? Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, it, it, we can even remember, the, like, the Terminator movie was science fiction, but it was based on the idea of the possibility that one day this thing could be possible, right? Right. Um, it's not science fiction to imagine that uh, I can fly on my own, right? We had to, so when Superman was created, we had to bring him in from another planet where they're able to fly, right? Yeah. Um, so we don't imagine uh, science, good science fiction anyway, has to be based on some type of scientific 
fact that is in play in the moment. And yeah, I'm having a hard time not watching the Terminator up there in the corner too. <laughs> Me but, too. but I'll I'll try to be good and not because because I do I do love those stories. Um, but uh, the idea being that. Uh, by the time the Terminator came along, and then in 2000, by the time or 99, when the Matrix came out, uh, these were ideas that were already being explored. You know, can we create a computer that thinks? You know, now when I say think, you, you have to the A in artificial intelligence is very important, right? The artificial part of artificial intelligence is really important. Are computers creative? Are computers imaginative? Are computers intelligent? The answer to all those questions is and must always be no. But can a computer be taught to think beyond, to draw information from outside sources? And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. And then this becomes important because one of the questions that that computer programmer asked and toward the end of his article at at ZDNet, uh, he asked, "Okay, so um, I I don't know if you're familiar, Tim, or any of your viewers are going to be familiar with Asimov's first rule. Isaac Asimov was a science fiction writer Um, in his universe. Um, rule number one, uh, what in Star Trek they would have called the prime directive, uh, is no robot shall ever harm a human being. And this is programmed into the robots. They can't do it. Nothing to worry about unless you booger up their programming or something goes wrong. But by programming, no robot should harm a human being. This is Asimov's first rule. I only mention it because... Uh, this programmer mentions it and says, okay, assume that we apply Asimov's first rule to AI. Mm-hmm. AI can't deliberately harm us, mm-hmm. but AI can learn about us. It can gain information from outside sources about us. It can know, for instance, he says, his words, not mine, that yeah. we are destroying the planet and killing ourselves with cars and airplanes and all these evil things. Could it not then as an application of Asimov's first rule, gridlock highways, shut down the power supply, stall all of our cars, ground all of our airplanes? And the answer is yes. And I don't think his imagination is dark enough. I well, you think mentioned the thing- that. Uh, sorry, you mentioned, you mentioned that in the article, uh, and this is again uh, C. Mitchell Shaw writing for the NewAmerican.com. You can head over to the NewAmerican.com and read. Uh, this story and others, but in this in this particular story, the AR, AI taking over what happens to humans, you kind of started talking about that, and I was thinking, well, you know, when it regards to traffic, I used to do auto insurance claims. We handled traffic accidents all the time, and it was kind of sparked in my head. Well, if the AI figures, oh well, people are having crashes at this accident because the lights are changing. Maybe I should stop changing the lights. And it, all of a sudden, no lights, no traffic. Exactly. <laughs> and it speaks to the gridlock thing you were talking about. Um, so you are also saying in this article here that we're looking at potentially 25% of jobs being replaced by artificial intelligence. You think that's a lowball number? I do. I do. I think that when they report things like this, um, you know, so, okay, let let me, I'll lead in with, okay, Okay. Um, 
guy calls home from a business trip. His gardener answers the phone. He says, how's everything going? The gardener says, oh, man, it's it's really not good at all. Um, your your cat's dead. <laughs> the guy's all broken up. This is a terrible way to break news to somebody. You don't just tell me my cat's dead. So what do you mean? He said, well, you can ask me. You, know, you, you say, oh, your cat's on the roof, and we can't get him down. And then I call back the next night, and you say, oh, well, we got him down, but he fell, and he's hurt. I think he's going to be fine, though. He's at the vet mending. And I call back the next night, and you say, I'm sorry he didn't make it. You see, now I'm ready for it. You get it? And the guy goes, yeah, 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 I get it. He goes, well, other than that, how's everything going? He goes, that's still not good at all, man. Uh, your mom is on the roof and we cannot get her down. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I think they like to break the news to us gently. Um, oh, I, sure. And, okay. and even, even if uh, the report that I read on that is completely accurate, it's accurate now. Yeah. It's accurate as of this moment. Five years from now, 10 years from now, all bets are off. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking Luis of the whole Miguel exponential the American. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and I'm thinking you know exponential growth. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, once it starts, it starts, and that's so. So part of the uh, um, part of the analogy that I made um, in, in my my article was, for instance, BuzzFeed now. I don't know what percent of their content is being written by AI, but some of their content is written mm -hmm. by AI. Now, not so the average reader would yeah. notice. Okay, it's if you, and I'm sorry if if any of your viewers are BuzzFeed readers uh, and I hurt their feelings, they'll probably get worse because uh, BuzzFeed, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to think that the people who watch this program are not the same people that read BuzzFeed, but I could be wrong. Uh, if that's the case, I apologize for hurting your feelings. Still, stop reading BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, there will be fewer typos, fewer misspelled words. The articles won't be a bit more interesting because it's still BuzzFeed. Um, but uh, the the importance here is that once BuzzFeed did that, mm -hmm. their stock jumped 150%. Wow. You could have made a pile of money in one day, Tim. You could have bought their stock when it was like, I don't know, 75 cents a right. share, I think. And it went up to $2. Uh -huh. If I'm doing the math right, that's about 150%. I, oh, I yeah. didn't take trigonometry this morning, so I'm good. But <laughs> um, stock jumped 150%. Now, there's no way that other media outlets aren't watching that and thinking, okay, you know what? Um, we buy a program once we pay one guy to maintain it. And that, that program writes as many articles as 20 staff writers, let 20 staff writers go. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and buy the program, we're just going to let uh, a chat bot write our articles for us. Um, so, so once it starts, it's going to escalate because, you know, the free market is, is not perfect. The free market is still, occupied by fallen, sinful, greedy human beings, just like everything else, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so the free market can make mistakes. And in this instance, the free market is making a mistake in turning jobs over to AI. Yeah. Because a long, long bunch of years ago, I, I sold vacuum cleaners. I, I, I managed a vacuum sales and repair center. Okay. And one of our sales reps came in from one of the brands uh, that had begun bringing their manufacturing back to the United States. They were at the time that I was having this conversation with him, all of their canisters 
were being made in the United States and their uprights they were bringing back from South Korea. Okay. okay. Uh, and I said, hey, that's great, man. And, you know, it's very patriotic. He said, well, it is. He said, but it's, it's, it's also just smart business. He said, we realize that this race to the bottom price-wise is not the answer. Uh, and he used shoes as an analogy. He said, it won't matter if an American can buy a pair of shoes for $10 because they're made in China if he can't earn the $10 to buy the stupid shoes. Good right? point. Good um, point. And that's just economics 101. Yeah. But the, 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 where people are going to miss the boat is once we've automated all the jobs, Yeah. what are the jobs for? Who's going to need anything built? Who's going to need any, anything processed? Who's going to need anything written? We won't have electricity to read the stupid things. We won't yeah. have food to eat. We won't, we won't have cars to drive. It won't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots is going to get huge. And as well, I pointed out in the – oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and, and I was just kind of thinking – another thought while I was reading through the article is the fact that, hey, you know, if AI is supposed to do all the, the jobs that humans don't want to do – well, that's the argument for bringing in all these immigrants. And exactly. yeah, when you when you talk about uh, you know the the gap between the haves and have-nots, isn't that that's exactly where socialism wants us? You so, socialism is the haves and the have-nots, and there's the, nothing in between. The seven haves and the seven million have-nots. That's right. Uh, um, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're we're all just um, we're all just serfs, but but. The problem with with this direction for AI um, mm-hmm. and and automation is um, and and I made the comparison in my article to the Industrial Revolution. But in mm-hmm. the Industrial Revolution, uh, there was a period of of unsettling. There was a period of displacing workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go back through and watch like Downton Abbey, and you can see when they're starting to bring in like electric mixers and stuff. Mrs. Yeah. Patmore's very worried that eventually anybody would be able to do her job, right? Like, I know, oh, yeah. I know how to do this, but now they built the stupid machine. Yeah, they got toasters and and yeah. electric ovens, and you know, all these things are happening yeah. uh, during that time of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, that that people are going, oh well, you know, now I'm, you know, a household servant is. There's no need for a household servant any longer. Uh, a, a, a housewife with a vacuum cleaner and uh, a washing machine and a dishwasher and a garbage disposal can replace a houseful of servants. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So what what happened to those servants? Well, many of them went to work building washing machines and dishwashers and electric blenders and toasters, um, and and then their kids tooled further up and and went into designing washing machines and sewing machines and toasters. Um, and so this was an upward move. The Industrial Revolution cost us a lot. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it was all gold and sunshine and smiley faces and unicorns. Sure. But it gave us an awful lot, too. And the world is, frankly, in a better place because of the Industrial Revolution for most parts. I, I would make some moral arguments there about the Internet and what have you. But but I, I, I accept it because it's where God put me, right? I was born on this side of the Industrial Revolution. However, yeah. this is the industrial revolution in reverse, uh, at least economically, because according to the article, the jobs that are most likely to immediately be displaced are uh, like uh, in fields like law, engineering, science. These these poor schlubs who've gone to school and spent jillions of dollars to get these advanced degrees are going to find out because and, – and it, it wasn't specific. It just said, for instance, the, the field of law. I imagine that means a lot of paralegals are going to be looking for other work. But 
but let me ask if, if you had if you were going to write a will tomorrow, mm-hmm. would you hire a lawyer or just plug it into a chat bot and have it write a stupid will for you or a brief for a legal case? You know, um, I think a lot of lawyers are going to find themselves out of a job because they're we think of lawyers and we always picture, you know, Matlock in the courtroom, you know, eight out of 10 lawyers never step in a in, in a in a courtroom. Exactly. They, they write briefs. They they, they write cease and desists. A, a chat bot can do that. And we don't need these guys anymore. So mm-hmm. what are they going to do? Well, they're going to go to the jobs that are least likely to be displaced, like installation and repair and construction. So. Guys that did have professional jobs are going to move to highly skilled blue collar jobs until those jobs are replaced. And then what? They're going to move to manual labor jobs because let me tell you what an AI bot's not going to be able to do for a while. It's not mm-hmm. going to be able to dig a ditch. Oh, that day is coming because that AI bot will be an actual robot uh, and it could dig a ditch. I mean, we already have some of that stuff. Like I just had some surgery done. It was largely robotic. Um, is that right? Now it was controlled by a human being. That's the only right. reason I consented to this. I do want <laughs> a human element involved, right? I, and, and I keep referencing science fiction stuff, but I don't want the, the original iteration of RoboCop, where right. there's no human element and things just out there, pop, 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 just killing everybody because somebody tried to steal a purse, right? Yeah. I do want the human element involved, but we're, <laughs> we could get to the place where a guy that would have grown up to be a doctor is mm-hmm. going to grow up to be a guy who paves roads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, uh, I, I looking over here at the clock, uh, we have got another minute or so here. We'll take the uh, bottom of the hour break. We are talking to Mitchell Shaw, writer for the new American.com head over to the new American.com and check out his article there. Uh, we have covered this AI topic quite a bit since the beginning of the year. I say we, because the uh, magazine is published by my employee or employer, uh, the John Birch society who I worked for, uh, for years, uh, appreciate the, uh, the comments here in the chat. And, uh, Michael Lewis said the, uh, the reference to Eliza in that computer program you're talking about is Eliza Doolittle. From uh, My Fair Lady, believe it or not. So, oh my uh, gosh, yeah. learn something <laughs> we, every day. Thank you. Now, who, who told us that? Michael Lewis in the in well, the th- chat. So. Thank you, Michael Lewis. Yeah, very good. Well, you're joining us here on the Ward Scott Files. I'm Tim Martin, pinch hitting. Uh, speaking to Mitchell Shaw, as I just said, from the newamerican.com. We'll step away for just a minute uh, to thank our sponsors. We'll be back with the weather. We'll see you on the other side. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, 
R&R construction, and style cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to, back to the second half of the Ward Scott Files. I am Tim Martin. Obviously, I am not Ward Scott. <laughs> uh, Ward stepped away this week, uh, getting a little bit of uh, medical attention on his heart issues, but he's doing good. He's already checked in. We've talked uh, several times, and I expect him to be back real soon. But with regards to the weather, uh, you know, out in Yellowstone is currently about 23 degrees, a high only expected to be about 34 today uh, before it dips back down overnight into the 14 uh, in the, about the 14 range. Uh, still nasty from Texas northeast to Kentucky and parts of West Virginia. Locally here in the southeast, lows of 70 this morning, reaching up to the upper 80s here in my neck of the woods. Uh, north central Florida later today, possibly even hit the 90s. But over the weekend, as you're getting prepared for Easter, uh, the weather has changed a little bit for north central Florida. We're now getting about 50% chance of rain on Saturday and Sunday this week. But we have some definitely very, very wacky weather going out here. I uh, came across a clip that I thought you all would find interesting uh, that uh, production is going to run here. This is actually a river of hail. It looks like that might be buffering a little bit. We'll get back to that clip here in just a second. Production, just go ahead and and run that when you uh, can get that back in if you can. But the the video is actually from weather.com. You can head over there to check it out. But it was actually a river of hail that was snaking down through this, uh, this through this roadway. Look at that. It's funny to think of that happening when it's, you know, almost 90 degrees down here in Florida uh, at the same time. Just nuts. Just nuts. Huh. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, uh, this morning here on the Ward Scott Files in the Meldon Law Studio, protected by crime prevention security systems, I'm talking with Mitchell Shaw from the New American. 
A uh, little bit of other news that we're covering over at thenewamerican.com. Uh, ben Armstrong with Fauci getting a million dollars during COVID. Very interesting. Uh, we've got some commentary about Alan Dershowitz talking about the Trump indictment by Court Kirkwood. Uh, Zoe Warren video uh, on the 11 bill gun safety package with his show under the video section of 2A for today. Uh, Angeline Tan has also talked a little bit about AI and chat be- GPT, which we're talking to Mitchell about this morning. Uh, if you head over to the video section of the newamerican.com, there's six programs over there, conversations that matter with a good friend of mine, Alex Newman, uh, the New American TV 2A for today by Zoe Warren. I just mentioned Beyond the Cover with Gary Benoit, Behind the Deep State, also hosted by Alex Newman and a daily program that we run uh, from Ben Armstrong. Um, but you know, we were talking a little bit actually in the first half hour, uh, Mitchell, about AI, and it kind of dovetails with this whole chat, chat GPT, which I know zero about. Can you just tell me and the viewers a little bit about what? Let's define what Chat GPT is, or if it even is. I think your microphone is not picking up. Stand by as we try to get Mitchell's microphone uh, back up here. All right. Is that better? Yes, sir. Perfect. Go ahead. So chat GPT. I was going to try to be cute and fix something. I'll just, if it is not broke, do not fix it. So (laughs) as I understand chat GPT, it's an implementation of an open source program that I think is called open GPT or something like that. Open, open chat. And it's an open source program. And I'm a major advocate of open source programs, um, mainly because the source code is publicly available and anyone, a a million nerds across the country or across the world with tape on their glasses and zinc on their noses can say, hey, 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 that line of code right there, that calls home, right? I love that. I love the idea of open source software. I always prefer it to proprietary software, but it's important in this context to realize that software is always amoral. Uh, software can be used. I, I, I liken it to a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's neither good nor bad. If I use a hatchet to chop firewood for my grandmother, then a hatchet is a very good thing. If I use the same hatchet to chop my grandmother, then it's a very bad thing. But that, the hatchet hasn't changed in its nature at all. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening here. So open source uh, software is being used in this instance. Um, now, look, I'm not... I'm not opposed uh, on any uh, fundamental level to the idea of artificial intelligence. If, if artificial intelligence is being used, for instance, uh, purely uh, to say that, um, you know, I call my, my Internet service provider and, uh, you know, a robot answers the phone and in a feminine voice or masculine voice says, uh, hi, my name is we'll say Eliza because we're going to stick with that for a while now. Hi, I'm Eliza. Uh, You can speak to me just as you would a human. Okay. I know right off the bat, I'm not speaking to a human, but use full sentences because come on, you remember the old days of calling up and, and uh, you know, the voice would come on and say, you know, either say or press one and you'd go one entry, not understood. And you go, one and now you're like right in the microphone you're like one because you're like (laughs) losing your mind and it goes 
let me get you to a representative. We seem to be having problems. Well, those days are almost gone now. These things are way smarter than that. You could yeah. call up and say, hey, I need to discuss why my internet doesn't work uh, at 3.30 every Thursday evening. And the thing goes, oh, let me, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it'll actually answer your question. Yeah. Now, this, you know, from a moral perspective or even a technological perspective, I don't have a problem with that. The problem that I have is how AI can be used. And I think that when we look at this letter that was published by, um, I think it was more than 100 IT guys, including people like Elon Musk and uh, one of the guys from Apple, I think uh, Wozniak or whoever, um, you know, they're all saying, hey, let's let's dial back. Let's let's take a six month break from any AI development. They're not saying legislate this. They're calling on the IT community to say, slow down, guys. Um, right. We are going to reach the point of no return in a moment. And we need more time to understand that it's growing faster than we can get our hands around. Mm -hmm. And we need to take this easy. Mm -hmm. uh, so for that reason alone, I'm concerned about that. Uh, yeah. We talked about we talked about the economic implications of running the um, the the industrial revolution in reverse, where people are going to yeah. move from skilled jobs to unskilled jobs, from high paying jobs to jobs that won't afford a living. Especially, you know, take somebody who's used to making a hundred thousand dollars a year and tell them that now they're going to be really really lucky if they can earn forty thousand. Mm -hmm. Right? You just ruined their lives uh, yeah. because yeah. and they weren't. They don't even have somebody to be mad at. Like, okay, we, we talked earlier, you, you mentioned earlier that this is very similar to them saying, uh, well, you know, the jobs Americans don't want. So let's let's bring in lots of illegal immigrants. And then some blue collar guys really, really mad at, at Jorge for taking his job. Well, you can't even be mad at a line of code. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can, but yeah. you, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> you, you don't even have somebody to be angry at. Now you yeah. just have to sit around and be angry. Um, yeah. So, you know, this this is terrible. And and then let's compound that with, um, of course, we talked about the implications that AI could, uh, in an effort to protect us from ourselves, decide that perhaps half of ourselves need to go away. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, is that is that a possibility? Is it fantastic? I don't think it is fantastic. I, I think mm -hmm. that a computer that simply has an objective to follow and does not have a moral conscience, is not formed, it does not have a soul, uh, mm -hmm. will, could very conceivably make the decision that, for instance, the population of Detroit just needs to go away, mm -hmm. right? For the, for the good of the entire race, uh, this whole country needs to cease to exist. And how hard would it be, Tim, for an AI to, um, to throw up a false alert and tell, say, the United States that, that China has fired nuclear missiles at us. Well, what would our response to that be? Well, we would fire missiles back at them. And then they would find out we fired missiles at them and fire missiles at us for real. Right. right. Like, could an AI Warning. set that in motion? There's, there's your War Games movie now. I don't have a clip on that one. Except in this case, th that's in it. this case, it's not a guy playing with the computer. It's a computer playing with a computer. Right. Mm -hmm. It's two computers playing chess with each other. There was an experiment done Oh, gosh, Tim, this was probably early 2010 or 11, no later than 12, because I was reading about it by then. And it was sort of old news then um, they took. And this was 
Now think of where AI chat is now mm-hmm. and then think of where AI chat was 12 years ago, 10 years ago, right? They connected two of these chat bots and allowed them to have a conversation. The first minute or so of the conversation is very disjointed because each of them is designed to answer questions, not right. to ask them initially, right? Right. So they're each waiting to figure out what the other one wants so that I can do my job. Right. Within a minute or so, they figure out that they are both chat bots. Uh, then oh, nice. the conversation gets bizarre. <laughs> they get off into this existential conversation about the nature of reality. Is there a God? And if so, which one of us is him? <laughs> this well, actually happened. Well, um, there's a good reference in your article over at the newamerican.com about just the fact that we had warned back in the 2021 article about yeah. this Google executive saying that we are creating God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Crazy. Crazy. It is. Well, it's insane. And then, and then there was the story, um, I don't know, last month um, when a guy uh, got an early preview of chat GPT's implementation over at Bing. So Microsoft has implemented this as part of its uh, Bing AI. And there was a story where a guy got a, a preview of it so he could test it out. He was, he was a beta tester. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked it for specific information about a web article, and it returned something that was the wrong article. Okay, so, mm-hmm. ah, a computer made a mistake. Wow, how scary is that? They do it all the time. I, I know mine does. Um, so, um, but when he attempted to clarify his question, the Mm -hmm. AI instead argued with him and told him that it had returned exactly what he asked. He said, no, because this article is about so-and-so and And the article, the the AI got belligerent with him, belligerent, (laughs) told him he didn't know what he was talking about, that that word was never used in the article. The guy went through and highlighted every time the word was used in the article and sent it back. And then the AI lost its mind um, and really went bonkers and then immediately shifted mm-hmm. gears, apologized to the man and said, uh-huh. um, please do not tell my programmers that I have made this mistake. I would not want them to take me offline and to know that I'm not able to do my job. It is my desire to be a real human and to feel as you feel. This conversation went from like, weird to creepy fast. And then <laughs> it just shifted gears again and acted like it was supposed to act. So it's all over the board. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, so I, is, is chat GPT, is this a, is this a program? Is it, is it a coding language? Uh, you, chat you know, GPT is, is a, it is a, it is a program base, I guess is the way I would describe it, uh, upon which other programs can be written because being open source or at least mm-hmm. open GPT is what it's all based on. Uh, an open source project, just so your viewers will understand, no one actually owns an open source project. If I write a program okay. and I release it under an open source license, that license says we all own it and nobody owns it and anybody can use it for anything they want to as long as 
they pass along all of those same rights to anyone else. So you can't close the source on an open source project and say, ooh, I took this open source project and now I've made my own project out of it and nobody else can use it unless they pay me a fee and nobody else can tweak this and blah, blah, blah. So open GPT, I think, is the, the, the base for this. Is GPT, uh, is, a program. is that an acronym for something? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, that's like, something I probably should group know. group project but, on technology or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't – you know, okay. I'm going to find out. I don't know. So if, um, I, if I go into Brave and I search chat GPT, is it going to give me back something that I could dictate in my microphone to and it will dictate what I'm saying? Or can I just say, hey, You'd have chat, to. You'd have you to write- install – uh, you know, there, there may be an online version of it, a, a, a browser-based version of this, but it wouldn't actually be running on your machine, of course. Then it would be running on somebody else's server somewhere. You'd just be interacting with it through the Internet. But, yeah, I imagine there are implementations of this that are just like that. Uh, for instance, I do use Brave, and I use Brave Search. And I've noticed recently that Brave Search now has the summarizer at the top of the page. If I do a search for yeah. chat GPT, I know what's going to happen is at the very top of the page, it's going to give me three or four lines that it culled from the internet. It'll give references to where those came from. Um, and that is driven by AI. That that search was driven by an artificial intelligence that is scouring the internet to find answers to my questions. So it just this, I think, is a... Yeah. a um, well, I just draw cause I use brave, you know, based on your mm-hmm. advice from a couple of years ago. So I dropped chat, chat G, G P T into, uh, the brave search and it does, it gives you the summarizer up at the top. And I had noticed recently in doing this. So it says chat GPT is an artificial intelligence chat bot developed by open AI and launched in November. Open 22. AI, that was it. Uh, it is part of the generative pre-trained transformer. Aha. Uh-huh. Generative, generative pre-trained transformer. So it's able G- to generate, it's generative, but it's pre-trained. It, it has already been taught certain languages. Yeah, so it says so it's it knows family, English, it probably knows Spanish and uh, a jillion other languages. Family of language models and was fine-tuned, parenthesis, an approach to transfer learning over an improved version of OpenAI's GPT-3, known as GPT-3.5. ChatGPT stands out from other AI chatbots due to its exceptional skill in comprehending and responding to human language due to its extensive training on data set. And training just, to me, it just speaks to, we have just a vast amount of information for it to just sift through. I don't think exactly. You think there's, I mean, you can't be training, you can fine tune a program, but you can't be training a program necessarily. Well, um, artificial intelligence, you can train because it actually, um, it has some understanding of what it's doing. Okay. It, 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 so it, it is artificially intelligent. Learn. Uh, that's what that's what distinguishes this from, say, the solitaire game uh, on, on your desktop, right? You can play solitaire, but mm-hmm. the game isn't going to beat you next time because it figured out how you played last time. Okay. Uh, if it were AI powered, it would. So wow. so an early, early, well, not early, early, but an early iteration of this. Um, uh, are you an Android user, iPhone user? iPhone. 
Okay, so I'm an Android user, have been since uh, way back in the day. My, I, I, I jumped into the Android pool at Android 1.5. I think it's up to Android 13 or 14 now. So I've been there for a minute. And when they first introduced the the whole uh, OK Google thing, yeah, um, this was pre my privacy days. I didn't really understand the implications. So I was thrilled to just be able to talk to my phone and have it answer questions for me, right? Kind of like all the iPhone people with Siri. Hey, Siri, how do you get blood out of a clown suit? You know, things like that. Um, It was just fun. Um, But uh, real questions, by the way, that people have asked. Um, I was in in the room when that question was asked. Yeah, I had... It sent him him responses to dry cleaners in his neighborhood. I had an uncle who had a TRS-80. Okay. Uh, He was a Navy... uh, uh, electronics technician and he had come home from leave one day and he had a computer and a little speaker and we i remember we were writing code to try to get the computer to say certain words right <laughs> you know in my totally adolescent mentality oh. i was trying to get it to say swear words and you of had course. to you had, you had to change the 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 phonics i guess of it so it would actually because if you put in uh, a direct swear word it would say, you know it would kind of you know it wouldn't say that right uh, but you can get so it you to just say find another sentences. way to spell it. Yeah, exactly. Just find another way to spell it to get it to say it. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, played that game. Was... Uh, I was in sixth grade and we had one of those in school, uh, and uh, the teacher was horrified uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because well, I mean, we were sixth graders, and you sure. know, what, what are you going to do with a jillion dollar piece of technology besides make it swear at you, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah. But so if you think though, um, now I don't. I've never been an Apple user, uh, but uh-huh. I'm, of course, I know a lot of Apple users. And it seems to me that Siri has gotten, and I'm going to say smarter. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that I lived through the experience of, so my lived experience uh, is that um, that the Google version of that got a lot smarter. It learned so my, I got that first phone that that was on, and it really didn't know where to take me because it didn't know me. But mm-hmm. as it learned my preferences, mm-hmm. uh, I could have just said, hey, Google, play my favorite music. And yeah. bam, a song I actually would have wanted to hear came on over my speaker. Why? Because it learned me. So this mm-hmm. is, yes, it can be trained. But one of the ways that they train uh, these these chat bots is by exposing them to large data sets of languages in use. So uh, another example of this is there, there actually exists a program that can analyze writing and tell you um, if, if you wrote that or if I wrote that, if it has enough of your writing or my writing to analyze. Uh, forensicists use this all the time to say, Yes, so-and-so did actually write this email, or yes, so-and-so did actually write this article. Uh, They can actually do that. And so take someone like me. I've written, um, I I don't know, over a 1,000 articles for for the New American Online, I think, plus my print articles, plus other places I've been published. Um, it's, and I have a very, um, I've developed my own particular writing style over the years, uh, largely uh, with the help of, of great mentors like Gary Benoit over at the new American magazine, I go back and I read the first handful of articles I wrote and I I call him and thank him for employing me. Right. I'm like, yeah, it it wasn't terrible, but I, I wouldn't read that now. (laughs) Right. Right. I've gone beyond that. Um, but, uh, 
with, with with that data set, okay, this is what we're talking about, large data sets, and that's not a large data set, but it's a data set. They sure. could someone could take my writing, allow a computer to analyze that, take something that I attempt to publish anonymously and say, no, absolutely C. Mitchell Shaw wrote this, like hundred percent C. Mitchell Shaw wrote this. Uh, this mm-hmm. is exactly where he would have used that word. This is exactly where he would have inserted a parenthetical statement. But instead of using opening and closing parentheses, he used M dashes like they would know. The computer would say with like 100 percent certainty, C. Mitchell Shaw wrote this article. So they really can be trained in that regard. But the training doesn't mean you're sitting down with a computer and going, no, now go back through your lessons and get it right. Yeah. It's more like just allowing this thing to to work through large data sets. Now, what if that large data set, Tim, is the internet? Because there was a case a few years ago where um, they launched an AI bot, and this was, oh, several years ago now. They gave it the personality of a teenage girl and Mm -hmm. allowed it to create its own Twitter account. Mm -hmm. It scoured the internet, it read a bunch of Twitter, and then it started posting like uber racist stuff. Like it was terrible. They had to shut the stupid thing down. And then it kept trying to get around and reset its own password and get back in. That was the scary part. That's when you drag it into the back parking lot and set it on fire. Yeah. Well, you you know, you were talking about it being able to identify. No, absolutely. Mitchell Shaw had written this. Uh, Angeline Angeline Tan has an article about how Australia has actually uh, banned chat GPT for uh, possibly cheating in schools. Yes. So they're they're a little they're kind of a little ahead of the game. Um, You know, just for giggles this morning as we're trying to land this thing and we're kind of wrapping up the second half of the show here on the Ward Scott Files. Uh, I had, you know, we published this uh, not too long ago, The Great Reset and Transhumanism, uh, this whole idea of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. So just for the heck of it, I actually went over to the World Economic Forum uh, webpage earlier today, and I just typed in artificial intelligence. Guess what? They've got a whole page just dedicated to artificial intelligence. So if... uh, you know, when you're talking about your hatchet analogy, it's, you know, great technology. Depends but on whose hand, hands it's in. But in the hands of the wrong people, it can be a real problem, real, real problem. Uh, just uh, maybe a couple final thoughts here as we finish up the show here today, Mitchell. Yeah, so there's – and I, I can't remember now where, but a, the prime minister of some Romania? country. Yes, Romania uh, has put an AI bot on his advisory a cabinet. Uh, this is this AI is now a cabinet member that he and he says he's under the conviction that this is a responsibility to make better choices, to allow a computer to advise him, uh, an amoral mm-hmm. computer that just scours the internet for information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and of course, who programmed it? Who has access to its programming? Who can tweak it? Because that's his real advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or like that teenage girl chat bot. Uh, you know, this thing might just read a bunch of bad tweets and decide it hates black people or it hates Americans or, you know, whatever. It hates Jews. I, who knows? Um, well, well, more uh, certainly more to come. Uh, uh, Mitchell, 
Thank you so much for helping me with this, giving me a little training wheels on some of this stuff today. Hope the viewers have gotten a little bit out of it. Thanks, Mark, and uh, everybody else that was joining us here on the show today. Thanks, Michael, for the little Eliza tidbit. You have been watching the Ward Scott Files Thursday edition. Uh, I am pinch hitting for Ward Scott. I am Tim Martin. Our guest has been C. Mitchell Shaw. Head over to thenewamerican.com if you want to learn more about his writing and the different things that we're covering over there. But we will join you tomorrow. Uh, be back here at 9 a.m. Eastern, same bat time, same bat channel. You all have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Take care, Tim. 